Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. Apologies, we've had a couple of weeks off here, but uh, you're with here with me, Steve Wiss, and Jonathan for Dugbert. Great to have you, uh, as always, my friend. I uh, hope things are well with you. Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. Yes, uh, I, I have to hold my hands up. It's me to blame for the absence last week. Uh, Steve was good and ready to go, but I had, unfortunately, some um, other commitments which meant I had to miss the pod, which was a, a big shame. But we are back and happy to be with you again to bring you a new episode. We've got a lot to talk about, obviously catching up on all the latest from Norway and Sweden. And of course, we also need to speak about the uh, European games. Obviously, Champions League, Europa League and Conference League all get up and running this week. And we are going to look at every single uh, team and draw and give you a bit of a preview of what's what we can look forward to in the next few months before the World Cup comes along. So, um, Steve, you, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thanks, um, uh, mate. It's uh, you, you know these these European matches and the draws have just come along so quickly because everything's got to be fitted in before the World Cup break now. So, the matches are going to come uh, very thick. And um, yeah, I mean, there's been some tasty groups, hasn't there? I don't know if you have got them in front of you there, Jonathan. But certainly, I mean, from a Buda Glimp perspective, it was a really real disappointment. They didn't qualify for the Champions League. Uh, Dinamo Zagreb obviously got ahead of them, but they've drawn quite a tasty group in the in Europa League, which I think both gives them. It's like a treble whammy here. Of you got a, a glittering tie like Arsenal, you've still got half a chance of maybe qualifying second, and also uh, with Zurich. In well, let's group. start before we go into the draw. draw. Let, let's let's first ask you how did um, before we we will uh, we will announce every single draw and then have a little brief discussion mm. on it. Steve, I do want to ask you, you know, what was the reaction from Glimpse uh, about not going through? It was such a heartbreaking thing, went to extra mm. time. Uh, we didn't talk about it, obviously, last week because we didn't have a show. But could you just briefly sum up yeah. what the mood was after that before we talk about the draw? Deflating, gutting, because it looked like they, they, they'd done enough to to make it to penalties, at least. And then Dino Zagreb scored, I think, 116th minute, uh, four minutes from the end of extra time. And it ended up being a bit of a rout, actually, on aggregate. But... Um, yeah, I think they can have regrets from that game because from probably the the start of the second half onwards in 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 Zagreb, they were the better team. They got about level on aggregate, and I think they missed a trick. They could have kicked on and probably won it in normal time. Extra time was a bit cagey, fifty fifty affair, and then it just came down into one moment really where they they kind of broke the offside trap, and there was a good save, and then the rebound went in. I don't know how it got through a bunch of Budaglimp legs, and it was a real shame. I mean, I think apart from Tromso fans. Maybe a few of the fans from some of the other big teams as well. I think uh, it was a real disappointment because Norway hasn't had a team in the Champions League group stages for a long time now. So um, yeah, uh, it's probably the best chance they'll have to to make the the Champions League uh, group stage uh, for a long time. Yeah, real shame. I remember I did actually watch the second half of uh, extra. I watched extra time in that game, and they kind of just ran out of steam, didn't they? A little bit glimpsed in that match, and obviously. Uh, we would have loved them to be in that Champions League uh, draw. They would have ended up, I think, with, in the same group as Chelsea, if I'm right. I think I'm right in saying. Um, Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah. Obviously, their conquerors yeah. are in a group with Chelsea, AC Milan, and Salzburg. So that's sort of like a here's what you could have won. Um, but let's look at the teams, our teams now, and see who they will be playing. Um, I'll read out the uh, groups, mm. Steve, and then we can sort of have yeah. a little bit of an analysis of each one. So, Europa League, you know, we're going to talk about Glimt in a minute. They. Well, to be fair to them, although it was a disappointment, they got a very nice European League draw. Uh, they will play Arsenal, um, which is a massive game for obviously us and uh, and in general for Glimt. Um, they will play FC Zurich and they will also play PSV Eindhoven. 
Now, as we mentioned, the, the uh, competition starts this week. First games, Zurich against Arsenal and PSV against Glimt. Um, and then I'm just going to read out a few of the other European draws that are relevant to us. Um, so you've got HJK. Uh, they managed to go through. Uh, I think they beat a they beat the Danish team, didn't they? Silkeborg knocked them out. And of course, they're the Finnish team and they will play Luda Goretz, Real Betis and Roma, of course. Um, then <clears throat> moving on to Sweden, uh, we've got a Group D in, in the Europa League as well. Malmo uh, will play Braga, Union Berlin of Germany and Union saint gilois of Belgium, so that's a that's an exciting group as well for them. Obviously, they uh, they came through against Siversport, beating them five one on aggregate in that one. Uh, and then, obviously, we still got Manchester United in the Europa League as well as Arsenal um, this season. Uh, and then we got, of course, Micheland, uh, our friend of the podcast at football in Denmark, Henry Nichols. Um, they Micheland have been drawn with Feyenoord, Lazio, and Sturm Graz. Bit of an ultras special in that one. I think there'll be a few tasty games there. Um, and that wraps it up in terms of our teams for the Europa League. Steve, let's just start with the Europa League and that reaction to the glimpse uh, Arsenal game and, and a little bit on, on PSV as well. I mean, that's that's a juicy tie, isn't it? Well, I think um, you've got... Uh, it's a very tasty draw. I mean, Arsenal should win the group. I, I, I know they probably won't be at full strength in, in most of the games, but they've got huge depth. And then, But second place is certainly up for grabs because, I mean, PSV Eindhoven... You'd expect, you know, they are the favourites for second place, but they got knocked out by Rangers in the Champions League, so it's not like they're that brilliant or anything. They're very offensive side under Ruud van Nistelrooy these days, uh, I do believe. So, uh, an FC Zurich, they are, <laughs> they are they are the champions of Switzerland. I think they have been a bit depleted in the transfer window recently, Zurich, so I don't know whether that will affect them too much. But it's a, it's a good good draw for, for Glim. You know, they've got a, a nice match, double matchup with the Arsenal back-to-back. Um, there's maybe a chance of nicking second off PSV. And also, you know, I think they've got to fancy themselves certainly at least to finish above Zurich um, and get that drop down into the Conference League. But I'm, I don't know that much about Swiss football, so I don't want to completely disrespect FC Zurich on here. But I think it looks, it looks like a good group to me. And uh, my reaction to, to Mulder's group as well, I mean, it's great to see, obviously, them and your garden together. But Shamrock Rovers, I don't think are going to... Uh, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. Let's Let's stick with Europa League. Of course, I forgot completely about this. Uh, Mamo are in the Europa League. For some reason, I thought they'd drop down to conference, but yeah, I'd yeah. Uh, forgotten that one. No, I no, just uh, we we haven't actually. They're in last. Mulder in the Conference League, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about that in a second. Let's just wrap up the Europa League. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, a couple of the star players from PSV. They got Anwar Anwar El Ghazi just signed from uh, Aston Villa. Obviously, as you mentioned, Ruud van Nistelrooy is the manager. Um, they do have a decent squad. Mm. I mean, there's not any Nordic players, but, you know, they do have a tradition of sort of signing interesting players. They've got uh, Jared Branthwaite as well from, I think, Everton on loan. I don't know if it's a permanent deal, but um, just in terms of Glimt, what do you think they will get out of this group if you were giving an early prediction? And, no. you know, let's just look at this PSV game. Uh, what's your sort of take and prediction on this one? Uh, this PSV game could be decisive, actually, in terms of if they get out of the group or not, if they can actually get a result in Eindhoven then there's a chance. But I just don't think they're in a great, as good a phase right now as they were uh, 12 months ago. And um, if I had to certainly predict something, I would say Arsenal win the group, PSV second. I do think Budaglimt have a good chance of getting third, though. So I hope they can get third and continue their European adventure in into the new year in the Conference League knockouts. So, there we go. yeah. 
yeah, that's that's. I mean, I'm excited at the group. Let's just say that. So Malmo then, and uh, what do you think about this draw uh, for Malmo, John? Yeah, well, Malmo are in a massive crisis at the moment. Um, we will talk about that, I guess, in part two of the, of the podcast when we cover Sweden. But just to give you a sort of brief overview, they're, they're losing games for fun, really. They haven't been in good form. Um, of course, they've done well in the Swedish Cup, which was last week. Uh, they won 9-0 against a team called Bralanda. But apart from that, and obviously the Silversport game, um, they're really struggling in the league. Now back-to-back -back, uh, defeats in the league. Uh, haven't won in three more than three games now in the league. So... Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting draw. I think they'll be happy with the kind of flavour of it. I mean, the money on offer, you know, it's not as much as, for example, the Champions League, which is what they were in last season. Uh, made a lot of money out of that, of course, uh, playing teams like Juventus and Chelsea. But I don't think it's a necessarily bad draw in terms of their prospects of maybe progressing. I'll be totally honest. I think at the moment they are in transition with an interim manager, Andreas Georgsson, who formerly uh, worked at Arsenal, in fact. Um, he is still the interim manager. And I think that... Um, as it stands as of today, I don't think they would get out of the group. Uh, we are going to do a, a little Patreon episode just on a couple of European uh, tips for this week. But um, I don't think they will get out of the group, if I'm being totally honest, as it stands as of, as of today with the squad they have. Um, I think Braga are a decent side. I think Union Berlin actually are a decent opponent as well. And Sanjay Loire aren't that bad as well. I think they are the club that um, I think the owners of, of Brighton are, are connected with as well. Um, I know they've got a few English players, Christian Burgess, Ross Sykes. And I know, generally speaking, their recruitment is is, is pretty good. They actually have a Swedish player, uh, Gustav Nielsen. Um, and I remember, I think, when we had football in DK on the show, Henry, I remember him talking about Simon Ading Adingra as well, who he um, he went from Norseland to Brighton, and then Brighton loaned him out to Saint-Gilois. And he's, I think, a player to watch based on what Henry has been saying in, in previous episodes. So I think they will actually be a tougher opponent than maybe people might give them credit for as well. If I'm being totally honest, I think Malmo will have a job to finish third as well. Mm. Um, I think this could be a tough one. But the, the Braga game this week, obviously they want to get off to a good start. They're at home against Braga. It's a big game and hopefully they can get a result. But as of now, I do worry about their chances, if I'm being honest. I, I do agree. I think they finished bottom, to be honest, Jonathan. And uh, the reason for that isn't necessarily because... I think Malmo are that bad, but uh, Braga are a really solid European team. Union Berlin, is it Union or Union? Union, I think. Um, they're actually quite good, aren't they? They're not yeah. a bad team. And the the Belgian side, uh, I watched them against Rangers in the the qualifiers. They beat them, I think, 2-0 first leg or something. They, they're quite a good, they're known for being a good defensive team. And um, I think Malmo have got their hands full if they're going to get out of the group. It's actually a deceptively tough group. So I think yeah, they're really unlucky here, I think, Malmo. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then just to, just to recap the games from this Thursday coming, we've got HJK play Real Betis. I think that's going to be a tough ask for them, maybe in this, you know, the Finnish team. Um, and also uh, Sturm Graz against Michelin. So um, let's move on. That's it seems like, well, my prediction, I, I agree with you. I think Malmo will finish either third or bottom of that group. And you have obviously predicted uh, Glimp maybe a similar fate. So maybe they could both um, drop into the conference league. I think third place... Goes to a playoff, am I right? Or is it third place goes to the conference league knockout directly? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that might be the fate of both of those teams, to be honest. But I, I think the interesting thing is there'll be some really juicy matches. Yeah, and, and as the weeks go on, stay tuned on the Nordic Football uh, Twitter at Nordic Football as well because we will bring maybe some interviews, some exclusive content, and just generally covering those games. I mean, Glimp Arsenal that's that's massive, really. Um, so let, let's move on, uh, as we said, to the conference league now as well. I know you gave a little bit of a spoiler there. Steve, but I know you're eager as ever. 
Um, let's look at the Conference League draws. So just going to recap some of the teams in our region again. Um, Group B, we've got Anderlecht, uh, FCB, Style Bucharest, Silkeborg. Obviously, they knocked, they got knocked out, as we mentioned, by Helsinki and dropped into the Conference League and West Ham. So that's an interesting game. I'm sure Henry will be excited about that after they West Ham played Viborg as well in the prior round. Um, <clears throat> in terms of our teams as well, if you sort of scroll down and look through the groups, um, we've also got Group F, which is, Steve, we got our, we got our wish, didn't we? We did, got, yeah. <laughs> Finally. We've got the Nordic Football Podcast Classical. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be, it's not going to be Glim, uh, Malmo, but we are going to have Jurgarden against Molde. Um, loved this draw when it came out in Group F. Um, they will play each other for supremacy. Potentially could both be champions of their leagues, but we'll come on to that later um, this season. But um, uh, they are joined by Ghent of Belgium and Shamrock Rovers. So really exciting um, draw, to be honest. We've already had some people sort of messaging us about Shamrock Rovers. Uh, who you're going to play this week. You know, obviously that's a, a massive game for the for the Irish team. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, further down, I th- no, that's it actually for our teams. So, um, <clears throat> Steve, what's your take on this Group F? Uh, Mulder, Ghent, Jurgarden, and Shamrock. From a, from a Norwegian perspective, can do you feel confident about Mulder's chances? How do you feel about it? Their first game is this Thursday against Ghent at home. Yeah, I think Mulder will win the group. Um, I think wow. it's a good draw uh, for m- both Mulder and Jorgarten. Let's be honest, Shamrock Rovers are going to finish bottom of this group. Um, I'd be shocked if they get any points away from home, the Irish side. Nothing against them. At home, they might nick a few points. Uh, Ghent, I, I look, I did some research into Ghent, actually, just today. And they're a bit of a... Uh, there's a lot of question marks about this team. They could be anything, I reckon. They could either be pretty good or pretty bad. Um, we've got a couple of interesting players in their squad, They've actually got Jens Petter Hauger on loan from Frankfurt. So uh, he's going to be up against Mulder. And then they've got the big the big Kenyan, Jonathan, Joseph Akumu at the back. Yes. <laughs> so, so he's he's there as well. But they've not had many, they've had a bad start to the season domestically. And they got knocked out. They they got knocked out of Europa League qualifying by Ammonia Nicosia. Now, if you're getting beaten 4-0 on aggregate by a Cypriot team, for me, that always that's alarm bells. That is alarm bells. And um, so they basically, they've only qualified for the Conference League because they were so crap in the Europa League qualifying. So um, I'm, I think this this Ghent side can probably be beaten. Uh, I think there's, a, as I say, there's a lot of question marks here. They could be anything. But uh, if Mulder and Jurgarten finished in the top two, I wouldn't be shocked here. I really wouldn't be shocked. But I'm, I'm from a Mulder perspective, I'm pretty confident they're in great form domestically. Oh, yeah. So, Top of them is a massive prediction. Fair play. I mean, you've looked at the squad, like you said. Mm. Just to talk about Shamrock Rovers, I know you, you, you've mentioned them there. Uh, to be fair to them, they've come through, obviously, the Champions League qualifiers. They knocked out Hibernians. They then lost to Luda Goretz uh, on aggregate. But they did beat them at home 2-1, um, lost 3-0 away. I think it's their away form that's cost them yeah, in Europe. They then, the problem, played, they then played Skupi uh, in the Europa League, knocked them out. They beat them home and away, um, which is a you know decent result against a team from North Macedonia. Um, they then played Ferencvaros. So, they, you know, they have, to be fair to Shamrock, we can't knock them. They've done pretty well. They lost 4-0 away to Ferencvaros um, and then beat them at home 1-0. But that has got them their conference leagues. But obviously Ferencvaros, uh, Hungarian team, obviously a massive club historically. Um, so it looks to me as if, you know, if we're looking at, for example, from a Jurgen perspective, I think that, I think their away trips, I think Shamrock will, they look like they could be quite decent at home. I think that Jurgen going away from home there, I can imagine Sham will be well up for it. Mm. I think it'll be a massive game for both sides. Uh, Jurgen, there was a massive party when they qualified. This is the first time 
um, they've qualified for uh, the group stages of, 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 a, of a European competition, I believe, in, in many, many years. Um, and I can't remember exactly the stat. There was a really interesting stat in terms of how long it's been since they've been in European qualifying campaigns. It's, it's, it's in a long time anyway, and they, they, they're partying into the night. Um, I think that from their point of view, if they can get a good result in the game against Shamrock away and then sort of take that as a platform, I think Jurgard Mold will be a really fascinating game. We always talk about it, Steve, don't we? Which league is better? You know, what one, which teams are better? We'll get a chance to sort of get an answer, really. On, and, they, you know, they're both going to play each other back to back, home and away. And I think that will answer some questions. I think Mulder will go in as favourites, definitely. Mulder sort of dispatched Ellsborg. Um, I think Jurgard are a much better team. But I still think that Mulder probably be favourites, like you say. Um, and then it's just Ghent. I feel like Ghent physically, uh, generally speaking, Belgian teams are quite physical, quite good at, you know, quite dominant against Swedish teams, aren't they? They tend to sort of recruit mainly most of their players from there. So I think I'd have Ghent <laughs> favourites. Um, but I don't. I think it is doable. I think the home games in Stockholm are going to be in front of massive crowds and the atmosphere and the mood around the camp at a different moment is quite positive. So I think they might face some tricky away games, but I think at home they can feel confident. I, I'm not going to say they're going to win the group, but I think they can possibly finish second, if not third. Um, so that's my, my my sort of read on it. Um, but yeah, some some massive games. I mean, just just looking to the Thursday games as you mentioned there. You know, I mentioned obviously Shamrock against Diff. What, do you have a prediction for Mold against? Uh, yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think Mold have got a good chance of winning. They're actually odds on favourite with the bookmakers to win that game, which just shows you that maybe Gent are not. I mean, I think that you know they're the real wild card here, Gent, because they they I mean yeah. they won their Conference League group last year on thirteen points, but they don't seem to have started this season very well. Their manager, I, I looked at his name, I have no idea how to pronounce the name of this guy. Hein van Heiserbrook. What a name. But um, yeah, it's an intriguing group. It really is. Yeah, it really is. And um, we will be covering, obviously, uh, Champions League, Europa League and Conference League as, as things. Oh, well, not Champions League, but uh, we'll be looking at it anyway. <laughs> won't we? Every now and then, uh, gazingly with longing eyes. Um, but yeah, no, let's let's now switch over to, uh, of course, like I said, yeah. tweet us any questions you have on the European matches. Um, if you want to come on as a guest, if you're a fan or if you're affiliated to those clubs, I think it'd be interesting to maybe get some outside perspectives as well. But let's move on to our regular schedule programming now, back to domestic matters. Steve, we're going to start in Norway and there's been a massive um, game this weekend just gone. Yeah. Um, and just before we do do that, I just want to say, um, if you do want to get the extra Patreon content. We will preview some games. We've got a couple of um, betting tips and that kind of thing that we have on our weekend or weekly preview show. Um, you can access that patreon.com slash Nordic football podcast. We will have um, at least two selections from this week's European games. So if you do want a little bit of extra content, you can go and sign up there. Um, but Steve, yeah, this was a massive game in the title race. Uh, Glimp, Mulder, the two biggest teams in the league, really, in terms of historically last four or five years, in terms of challenging for titles. How did it go? Yeah, it finished Budiglim 1, Mulder 4, and uh, I think you can stick a fork in the Elite Assyrian title race. Now it's done. It's done. Jonathan, 10-point gap now. Mulder have got to Budiglim and Lillestrom and an 11-point gap to Rosenborg. They're not going to blow that. There's only nine games left. If they blew this, it'd be like Newcastle when you lot beat them to the title in the 90s. Um, it's, uh, it's simply not going to happen, in my opinion. Mulder have been exceptional uh, this season. They had a bit of a dodgy start, but uh, I think they're unbeaten in 16 games now domestically, 15 or 16, and they've won the majority of those uh, contests. So, uh, yeah, this was a 4-1. It, was it wasn't really a 4-1. Uh, 
type match. I mean, it was much closer than the scoreline would suggest. But um, crucially, and I think Chetil Knutson said this at the end of the game, Mulder in both boxes were ultimately better. And um, and I think that kind of sums up the season, really. They've been more efficient in the final third of the field and they've been more efficient defensively this season than Buda Glimt. Um, there's, there's, I think Mulder have been targeting Buda Glimt all season. They change, I think the, the manager early move changed the whole formation so that he could beat Buda Glimt this season. And they played him three times and they've beaten him three times. So it looks like they're going to win the gold medal in the league and they won the cup, the cup final against them as well. And, you know, you got fair, fair play to Erling Moo, who I've always praised on this show, in fairness. And they've been really hungry. They've had, it's not been plain sailing. They've had injuries and stuff. But in this particular game, I think their game plan worked out. The three centre-backs really does seem to work well against Buda Glimt. And it was similar how Jose Mourinho stifled them, actually, eventually. Finally, Mourinho learned his lesson against Glimt. I think Mulder took a, a leaf out of his, his uh, textbook. And uh, they just found they found it hard all season to really penetrate Mulder enough. And um, great tactical game plan, but crucially, just a little bit of extra quality as well that Mulder have, have seemed to have in these fixtures this season. And I mean, the second goal for Mulder is, is spectacular. It really is. It was a fantastic uh, uh, goal from outside the uh, the penalty area. So. Yeah, it looks like... I mean, I'm disappointed, I must say. Uh, Emil Breivik, who scored that goal, by the way. Um, I'm disappointed because I would I would wanted this title race to uh, hotten up and, and get close towards the end again. But it looks like it's going to be a procession, I think, uh, to close out the campaign. Mulder, fair play to them. Firstly, I just want to ask, I mean, it's a massive result, like you said. Goals from Kassa, Amundsen, Breivik. Kassa got another one. Um, Brynilds, and then Brynilsson in the 83rd minute. Uh, made it a 4-1, um, you know, kind of beating, really. Uh, Steve, I noticed a little bit of back and forth on Twitter between Mulder and, and Glimp, a little bit of a needle. Um, could you just, you know, is this becoming a bit of a Norwegian rivalry? Do you know what I mean? I know mm. they've, they've also been fighting for players this season, haven't they, in terms of trying to sign, you know, players from other clubs. They've gone head-to-head on certain players. Is there just a little bit of a, you know, I know like sometimes we have these dynasties that come up, don't we? Like, for example, City, Liverpool or... You know, United Arsenal over the years, if you look at it from an English point of view, you get your kind of little rivalries come up. Is this one to look out for? Is this a growing rivalry or is it a new rivalry? What, you know, what's happening here? Because, I mean, that is a bit of a beating. And could you just explain the, the needle between the two teams as well? I think there's, yeah, I think you're right. I think a, a big rivalry has started to develop here and, and in the transfer window. But you got Buda Glimp splashing out £4 million on Patrick Burke. We're going to talk about that later. And, you know, they spent splashed the cash a bit, whereas Mulder have been kind of outbidded and not been able to to do that as much. And it's, it's ironic. I think they were saying a few things about, you know, some of their actual own players that have come through their ranks have done well for them recently, Mulder, like Breivik and, uh, you know, a few other youngsters that have signed more domestically. So um, I think Mulder can be a bit annoyed because if Buda Glimp didn't exist, I think we'd be talking about a Mulder dynasty right now. They've been a really well run club in the last four or five years they they may well have won four titles in a row or something and i think buda glimt as well if molder weren't around i still think buda glimt would, would, would win this title this year so uh, yeah i think it's one of those it's almost a bit like sort of tennis when federer was sort of uh, dominating and then the dow came along you know and um it's like you know they, they've been very evenly matched really overall over the last sort of four years they've both had good moments and you know this is molder's year they've come back they've bounced back they've been hungry they've wanted it more and, um, you know, Buda Glimp and Gletchel Knutson said Mulder is the best this season. And the Twitter thing, they've had they've, this has been ongoing for two or three years now. I think sometimes it is a bit good, fairly good natured. But uh, yeah, there's definitely some spice there. 
maybe a bit of needle as well. I think at the same time, there's quite a bit of respect there as well. Um, it's not like a blood-curling rivalry in that respect. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's healthy. And, and it's probably a good thing, perhaps, that, uh, you know, um, and, and another team has, uh, has won, is going to win the title this year. I know Mulder won it before in recent times. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it sets things up interestingly for next season where, you know, Glimt are going to want to respond like of Rosenborg and others might want to get in the mixer as well. So, big win for Mulder. Fair play to them. Um, you can't not beat... beat they've beaten Budaglimt three times this season, which is... Not many teams can say that in the last three three seasons, Jonathan. Yeah, definitely. And... Um... We do have some questions, but I think, you know, as you mentioned, there's a really good goal, isn't it, from from, from Breivik. Uh, and, of course, you said, you know, they went to kind of a five, well, three or five at the back, depends how you want to sort of talk about it. Fafana and Ike come up front. Uh, Breivik in the midfield there, Kassler as well, we've got a goal. Um, we've got one question from a loyal supporter of the podcast, uh, Charlotte Patterson at Kirby Hazard. Uh, always appreciate your support, Charlotte. Um, she says, I know you've sort of answered it really, but... Can anyone out of Glimp, Lillestrom or Rosenberg catch Mulder? Is, it, is this gap too big? You have kind of answered it, I suppose, but just want to reinforce the question. Mm. And, and is there any other outsiders besides Glimp that could maybe come into it or or not? Um, and thank you again, Charlotte, for your question. I think the, the battle for the rest of the medals is going to be close. And uh, there was another question about that, I think, but I, no one can catch Mulder now, in my opinion. A, a team would have to win all nine remaining games and hope that Mulder lose four out of nine, I think. That's asking way too much. There, uh, I just don't see that happening. So, unless something really freakish happens, um, then it's just too much. It's, it's insurmountable. Now, if Glimt had won that game, it would have certainly kept Glimt in the hunt, and it might have given the Lillestrøm and Rosenborg a little bit of hope. But I think Charlotte now. I think, like I say, stick a fork in this title race. It's done. Thank you so much, Charlotte. And yeah, massive win for for Mulder, and it looks like uh, they're going to end glimpse two years straight of winning the title it's not going to be a three-peat it's going to be molded potentially with uh, nine years to go but there's still still plenty to play for so you never know but as uh, you mentioned there steve it does look like maybe you can stick a fork in this one um let's move on to the medal positions because um you know there's been a bit of topsy-turvy up and down hasn't there into, you know the the team's fighting you've got glimp now down in second um there's only a, there's only a gap of one point between second, third, and fourth, uh, and then four further points back to fifth, which is Valerang in fifth. But tell us about the two, the, the three teams in second, third, and fourth. Obviously, Glimt in second, but a bit of a battle coming on for these medal spots, isn't there, Steve? Do you know what? There's question marks about every team um, in in this uh, race for the medals. Buda Glimt are obviously got a European campaign now, which might take it a bit out of them, and uh, you know they're just not quite in full rhythm this season um so the question marks there Lillestrom I've kind of said all year you know when are they going to tail off and they just they've they've not quite fired in the last sort of month and a half really two months it's just not been there and they're dropping points now Rosenborg I do like what Rosenborg have been doing but their squad is so thin Jonathan I just can't believe Rosenborg have ended up with a squad so thin um yes it doesn't help they've had some long-term injuries but um they really need to get the depth of that squad in a better condition going into next season, I think. And it might just cost them. The positive, though, they've got no European football to worry about. And you know what? If they can keep the momentum, they might be the team to get second. Uh, and then Volarenga just going crazy guns in fifth. And I guess you can't rule them out of the medals now, but they've had such an incredible run. You've got to wonder, have they kind of shot their load a little bit and they're due to drop some points? So, I mean, you're going to ask me for a prediction, aren't you? So I might as well give it now. If I had to say, I would 
just about go glimt in second, Rosenborg third. Ooh, fourth and fifth between Lillestrom and Volering is close. I think I might just go Lillestrom because they've got the five-point buffer, but um, that's that's the way I'd go. Yeah, and uh, you know, just to recap some of the results because I haven't read them out, uh, Wallerenga beat Lillestrom 3-1 this weekend. Uh, Haugesson 2, Tromso 1, Christiansen 3, Sanderfjord 1, Christiansen getting a win, Trums Godset 1, Arlison 2, Rosenborg 4, Viking 1, big winner for Rosenborg, uh, Sarsborg 2, Hamcam 1, uh, Odd 2, Yerv 1, and then obviously that Glimp game, uh, that was the first match of the weekend, Glimp winning, uh, sorry, Glimp losing 4-1 uh, at home to Mulder. Um, so we do have two questions that I'm going to ask you now. Uh, you mm-hmm. just mentioned there, Wallerenga. We've got uh, we've got History Russia from Damon. He says, how did Wallerenga turn things around this season? Was it personnel, formation, tactics or luck? Um, and also, uh, just tying on to that, um, Kyle Bullen, at Kyle Bullen 4. Thanks a lot for your question, Kyle. Uh, he says, with nine rounds left, how does the Elite Syrian end up? I know you've given your prediction there a little bit, but he says also, do Rosenborg and maybe Valerenga get into Europe or do Buda and Lillestrom hold them off? Now, I know you've answered it a little bit, but um, did you just touch on maybe what have Valerenga done to Wallerenga done to turn this form around? And thank you as well to Damon. It beats me, Jonathan, because I think, I mean, we've said this before, I think Fagermo was literally one match away from the sack. Uh, and then he, they had like, they got a couple of wins on the board and they seemed to grow in confidence. But they the, the mad thing was they actually lost players uh, during this run. They lost a keeper. Chetel Hawk to Toulouse. They lost Ivan Nasberg on a free transfer. They lost uh, Chartenson. They lost Aaron Donham, who went back uh, after a loan spell. And a few, a couple of other guys, sort of squad players. So it's it's kind of mad that they kind of trimmed, trimmed down the squad and improved. A massive reason why, the, I mean, they've won now, I think, uh, like seven of the last eight games. It might even be eight of the last nine. The star man Osame Sahawi has um, has been in brilliant form. Now he was m- really below his xG. His xG numbers were quite high uh, for the first half of the season, but he was nowhere near getting them. And he's like turned it on its head now. Second half of the season, this lad, when he's in great form, he's one of the best players in the league. If maybe even the best player in the league, you, some might argue. He's been sensational recently, and uh, he, he certainly was the the key difference against Lillestrøm in the in the big derby game on uh, on Sunday evening. So I think his form has been massive for them. And, you know, they've nicked a couple of, of close wins, uh, you know, beating Tromso at home, Viking away. Those matches could have gone either way. I think early in the season, they probably would have found a way to lose those matches. I, I don't, I think that the manager has maybe allowed them to express themselves a bit more offensively, but I haven't noticed any major tactical differences personally. Uh, I think something behind the scenes, obviously for Germo has shown his excellent man management skills. Maybe some of these players that left the club were actually bad eggs and a bad influence. Who knows? I, 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 it's a really good question. And I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head how on earth they did manage to turn around this form. But turn around it, they did. Now, like I said, I just wonder if this run, when you're on such a good run, it's going to come to an end eventually, isn't it? And have they shot their load a little bit? And um, it, I mean, they certainly could get a medal spot if they maintain this push. But um, I'm a bit dubious that uh, they're just due to draw. I think they've got some tougher fixtures coming up soon as well. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, I know we talked about them quite a lot earlier in the season. It seemed like Fogelman, like you said, was going to lose his job. Mm. Um, is this a testament to sort of how good a manager he is? Because I remember you saying at the time, like, he's a decent manager, maybe it's just wrong place, yeah. you know, right, um, sort of, you know, wrong place, wrong time type thing. And maybe it was just petering out. I mean, then it's business incredible revival. 
is that you know a lot down to the manager or is it just the players have sort of turned their form around like what can you say about that you know player versus manager sort of mm. who's 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 sort of got them out of this hole more um, I think there's probably been a combination. The manager, the players, and also probably like the backroom team uh, there. There have been a few, uh, you know, I think they've been, uh, it, it, they've had an impact for sure as well. But yeah, you're right. If, if I was the president, if I was the chairman, I'd have sacked him. And um, not because I, I've always said it, I do rate, certainly do rate him as a manager. It just didn't feel like it was a good match anymore. And that he'd, he was, I just didn't think he could get any more tune out of the players. How wrong was I? Like I was compl- completely made to eat my words there because uh, they, they've turned it around. And uh, I think you've got to give credit to the manager here. He's obviously done, I think, the man management side of things has been excellent tactically. Like as I've not noticed any massive differences uh, apart from perhaps a little bit more offensive freedom. Uh, I just think it's a, some simple fact. Some of the players have just played better. Like Sahari, you know, he was he wasn't converting those chances before. And, um, you know, they've been really up for it. It's been an incredible run. And I think that probably the key difference now you feel with Olarenga that they've got goals in them. So if they concede, they can always outscore someone. Perhaps in the past, they were relying on like a clean sheet or a lower scoring match. But now they've got more goals in them. So I think that's that's really helped. Yeah. And just looking at their expected goals, it's um, third in the league at this moment in time, 44.08 uh, expected goals. According to our partners, Y Scout, 36 scored. Uh, Molder top and Glimp second in that ranking, by the way, and um, Viking and Salzburg are uh, fourth and fifth, by the way. Uh, and in terms of expected goals against, um, well, their expected goals against is is, is, is relatively uh, high, 28.63, mid sort of mid-table in the league, really. Um, and conceded 29, so more or less spot on in that sense. But uh, hopefully that answers the two questions that we've just had on them. Um, and let's move on, Steve. I want to ask you about the relegation battle because... Mm. Um, Number one, we've got a question about it. And number two, it's looking it's looking fairly uh, juicy. So I'm going to start with, a, may as well start with a question, um, which is from, uh, let me just get the question. It is from P2P Alex, Alex, P2P underscore Alex, um, regular listener and always interacts with us, so which we really appreciate. He says, Jerv and, and Christensen look doomed for the drop. Anyway, back for them now. And I know you've got on your itinerary a bit of a uh, Christensen resurgence. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah, they've uh, finally kind of come good. They've uh, won the last two games and they're up to 13 points in the table. Only one behind Yerv now. I think I've said it for some time. Weren't they on, <laughs> weren't they on like three points or something before that? <laughs> yeah, they've, they've had a few games recently. They've, yeah, they've got um, seven points. <laughs> they've had a good run. They had a two-week break. Um, they had a match postponed and they had a two-week break from the 14th of August to 28th. And since then, seven points from three games. Uh, good draw away against, away against Lillestrom. And then they beat Viking 2-1 and they beat Sandfield 3-1. So, um, you'd say that they're not off the bottom of the table yet, but I think they will be soon because Yerv do look, they look doomed, I think, completely. Um, looking in massive trouble and uh, I think Yerv will finish bottom. But, I mean, Christiansen are now nine points off the playoff position and it would have been just six, had there not been a ridiculous Sarpsborg turnaround. I'll talk about that match soon. But, um, I mean, of the two, they're certainly the more likely to potentially drag themselves out of trouble. But Christiansen needs some help now. They need one of those teams between 10th to 14th to just go on a shocking run of form. They need someone to, like, go winless before the end of the season or, like, pick up maximum, like, three or four points in the last nine games, which is possible. 
You know, every year there's a team that just suddenly gets sucked. Into, maybe Sanderfield are in a bit of a mess. Um, but um, yeah, Christensen certainly looking a lot more like their usual self. Um, and he just makes me wonder, is it just too late this year for them? But I think they're going to be a bit of a pain in the ass to face now because, um, you know, the tails are up. They're getting points on the board. They're counter-attacking well. I do like the the, the re-signed um, uh, Faris uh, Mumbanga, who uh, scored a couple of goals against Viking. He's uh, looked good. I think they've needed a focal point in their attack, a, a physical threat, and he has added a bit of them. So he looks like a good re-addition to the team. And... Um, They've had a little bit of luck go their way as well. They they kind of hung on against Viking, and, and that's what happens. They they never have been the worst team in the league this year. Year have always been the worst team, so I think eventually we're going to get them above them. But um, my gut feeling is it's just probably too late. They're asking too much of themselves, but you never know. Nine games left, just got to get as many points as you can. Yeah, they're giving themselves every chance. Uh, you met, you're right in terms of year of underlying stats. They got the worst XG in the league by miles, fifty six point six five forty eight conceded Christensen actually aren't that bad uh 39.2 and 40 conceded it's it's, um it's fifth from bottom uh Sarsborg odd and Sanderfield have worse uh, expected goals against than Christensen so you never know maybe they could turn it around a little bit my boys um and in terms of the expected goals actually it's Hamcam who are bottom uh and you have second bottom again Christensen fifth from bottom um Arlison and Sanderfield the, the other two who are lower than Christensen's 29.77 XG, 21 scored. So to be fair to Christensen, their underlying numbers suggest they're a team that should finish, uh, you know, maybe around 12th or 13th. So um, they're 10 points off that at the moment. Let's see if they can, you know, keep this this good run going. Uh, only scored uh, 21 all season in 21 games, but let's see if they can keep that run going. And um, Steve, you did mention Yerv. Uh, and thanks again, Alex, for, for your question. I mean, also got Hamcam there. We talked about their expected mm. goals. Madness going on at Hamcam. I saw your tweet. You weren't happy. Um, Tom Dent, maybe close your ears if you're listening to this uh, at the moment, because I feel like there's a meat man rant maybe coming on here. <laughs> well, I mean, I was betting on this game on a on a Hamcam handicap, which I thought was actually one of the best value bets of the season. There was no way Sarpsborg had just lost eight games in a row, and they were a, a ridiculous odds-on favourite for this game. And Hamcam led until the 93rd minute. And somehow lost the game. <laughs> you won't believe it. I mean, it was a mad game anyway, because they were, I mean, how it stayed 1-0 for so long, I've no idea. Hamcam had several chances to finish off the game. Sarpsborg, to be fair, they actually had two or three big chances. Well, hit the, hit the crossbar. The goalkeeper made some good saves. But if you are leading 1-0 in the, going into the 93rd minute, you, you've got to be winning the game of football, let alone losing it. But um, there was a late equaliser and then a, a penalty. I'm, I thought it was a bit of a soft penalty, to be honest. I mean, I'd need to look at it properly again, but uh, I wasn't sure about it. And then, you know, before you know it, 96 minute, the penalty's converted. The goalkeeper got a glove on it onto the post, but into the back of the net. And you talk about, I mean, if Sarpsborg lose that game, right, it's nine defeats in a row. Stefan Bilborn, maybe he's out of a job. And they honestly, they would look like the team who maybe Christiansen could catch. That's going to completely turn around their season, Sarpsborg. I mean, as for Ham Cam, you know, they were looking like they were going to be well clear of the the, the relegation zone, and now suddenly they're right at one point above it. So it's a ridiculous phase of three, four minutes in stoppage time that has turned the whole table on its head. I, I can't believe I mean, from a betting perspective for myself, it was one of the worst bad beats I've ever had. But, I mean, put yourself in the Ham Cam dressing room. I mean, how they must be feeling after that one. Um, I mean... They'll be devastated. I mean, how do you pick yourself up, up after that? 
didn't Leicester do that against Spurs last season in a match? It was some wild finish, but I just, I mean, they won't believe it. But now it's game on. There's about five teams, I think, in the reckoning for the 14th spot. And um, yeah, I just feel like such a pivotal game. We'll look back at this game and we might think, bloody hell, that 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 the madness in stoppage time was was massive. Yeah, first goal was from Hernandez Foster. Uh, decent hit, by the way. Nice left-footed shot in the fourth minute. Skolovic, as you mentioned there, 92nd minute equaliser for Salzburg. Salzburg, And then uh, Tobias Heinz, I think it is, formerly uh, of Beko Hacken last season. Um, penalty spot, 96th minute. Cool as he like. Stepped up, kept his cool and, and buried it. And yeah, like you say, it's a heartbreaker for, for, for Hamcam. In terms of their league position, they're still 12th. Um, still, it's only one point above the um, relegation playoff place, but you know, comfortably still at least um, s- nine points above uh, automatic relegation. So they're still in, you know, still in a decent position. But yeah, as you said, the, the nature of it. I think uh, it was actually Spurs did it to Leicester, uh, wasn't it? It was too, yeah, not, too late, was not, it. Not, yeah. not the other way around. Yeah, but um, yeah, craziness uh, and big scenes there for Salzburg as well. But uh, yeah, unlucky to Tom. Keep fighting, my friend, friend of the podcast. I'm sure um, you'll bounce back, but. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, Steve, uh, you know, keep your money for next week. Maybe, hopefully, you'll well. I mean, have I, some more luck. <laughs> I had a good day. It was just, I mean, it was a those things can happen, but uh, I, I do feel for them uh, there, and uh, I, I hope they can keep their heads up because they've had a good season. They've been solid. They've only lost six games of football, Jonathan, and it would be a shame. I mean, if they win that, they're on a, on a nice run of uh, eight points from four games. So. I do hope they can rebound from it and, and and they deserve for me to stay up. So I hope they can sort of pick themselves up and, and, and get the results they need in the, la- in the last nine games. But uh, yeah, that's a, a real, I mean, gut wrencher, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of a sickener. Um, and before we, before we round up part one, a um, couple of transfer bits of news. Uh, mm. Patrick Berg is back as number one. And we also want to give a bit of a shout out to Brad as well, don't we? Because they, they are also back. Yeah. In Elita Serian. Uh tell us about some of the deals. Tell us about that Patrick Berg deal, uh, and then about Brown. Yeah, I mean, Bruder Glimt have brought back uh, Patrick Berg from Lons for four point five million pounds, which is a huge amount of money for a Elita Serian club to pay. Obviously, goes without saying how important Berg is, and uh, it didn't work out for him in Lons. He just wasn't getting the playing time that he wanted. He actually said he, he's glad he went there, he enjoyed his time there, and everything, but. He just couldn't break into that midfield. It doesn't help when you've got Seko Fafana, who's one of the best players in, in League A right now, um, uh, ahead of you in the pecking order. So, I mean, there was he was linked with a few clubs, um, Belgium, unsurprisingly, and all that. So I think it was a bit of a surprise to see him come back to Norway, to Buda Glimt. But, um, you know, and also Buda Glimt brought back Marius Luder from uh, Schalke on a free transfer. He left them at the start of the season. So it is a window where Buda Glimt have certainly reinforced and splashed the cash a bit. Um, a few other deals went through uh, late on in the way. Thomas Len Olsen back to uh, Lillestrom, of course. Noah Jean Holm has been mo- has moved to Stade Rams in France from uh, Rosenborg. An interesting, and we were talking about this off air, a lad called uh, Peter Wilson, former um, Gif Sundsvall striker as rocked up at Yerv and he scored on his debut after just 11 minutes. I was like, who on earth is this P Wilson when I saw the score sheet and checked out his history and he actually looks quite a good striker if they can feed him enough chances. I think he'll score a few goals uh, for Yerv. So there were certainly quite a few, as you can imagine, it was a, a wild end to the transfer window. Adam Adiamande, another one coming to odd, ex-former 
Los Angeles FC player, although he did go down injured at the weekend. So, yeah, it's, it's as as you know, with all transfer winners, an absolute madness towards the end of it. And uh, yeah, Bran, Jonathan, we must congratulate them. They are promoted back to Elite Serian, still with seven games to spare. Yeah, massive. And congratulations to Bran. We did actually have a question on air. Another one of our on-air questions, Steve. Uh, a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's from uh, Dan Coys uh, at Dan J. Deer. He says, can Bran win Elite Serian 2023 after hmm. ceiling promotion with seven games to go? Uh, Steve, in a <laughs> sentence? No. <laughs> but but I think they're top half. I think they'll be top half. Yeah, they seem to have regenerated a bit like Lillestrom did a few years back and look where they are this season. Um, thanks a lot, Dan. And we will call it that a day there for part one. Welcome back, Patrick Berg as well. Uh, I guess it didn't quite work out for him in France. I always felt like wasn't sure if Ligue 1 was the right maybe stage. Um, but you never know. Maybe from here he can sort of kick on again. And and, and I, I read the statement him saying he's a he's a Buddha, you know, he's a Buddha man mm. and kind of like, you know, it's a homecoming really for the whole club. So um, I think his family's been at Glimmer as well in the past. So it's, it's not a really nice move for them. Maybe we'll take the sting off that defeat to Mulder a little bit. Uh, coming, coming up in part two, we'll review some of the transfers in Sweden um, and also look at the title race, relegation and a couple of changes, um, manager changes. So join us after the short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm with Jonathan for Dugba. We're now going to talk about the Sweden Ausvenskan. And, uh, well, well, we always seem to go back to transfers here, uh, Jonathan. There's always so many big moves that go on. And even though the actual window was shut in, in Sweden, it didn't stop a few departures from the league um, at the end of August. So uh, take us through some big ones because there were um, certainly some, some money floated about. Yeah, I mean, the transfer window is shut for Swedish teams uh, two weeks before, I think, Norway. But that doesn't mean that players can't leave. So uh, yeah, no, right, not, yeah. not, not ideal with the international, obviously, transfer window shutting uh, just a few days ago. So, yeah, some obviously bad news for certain clubs because they've lost um, some players. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's just sort of recap it. I thought it would be a good place to start here because, um, uh, it, you know, there's some big, big moves, actually, that could affect the rest of the season. Um, firstly, I think um, maybe we'll talk about Velko Bermansevich. Uh, talked about him a lot on this podcast. I think I tweeted it about a week ago saying, I don't know if there's a clause in his Malmo contract that says he has to miss a chance from six yards out every week um, because that's what he's been doing for the last three or four weeks. I think I've never seen anyone miss so many high XG chances in, in a short space of time. Um, I think it was a Kalmar game two weeks ago where he, he missed an unbelievable chance. We obviously talked about uh, on a previous episode, he missed an open goal that was harder to miss than score. Um, but he has been, in fairness to him, uh, quite in you know reasonably good form. He is a good player. He was a central part of Malmo's title win last season. He was a really important player for them, I think, in general. Um, and obviously we saw Antonio Cholak got his move to Rangers and um, Berman Savic has now got his move. He's moved to Toulouse. Uh, 3.7 million, according to Transfermarkt, uh, the value of the transfer. Um, he is a 24-year-old Serbian uh, player who joined them a couple of years ago and obviously has won the title at Malmo, played in the Champions League campaign last year. And I'll be honest, he hasn't had an amazing um, 
start to the season, if I'm being totally honest. I, I don't think he's ever, I think he's been worse this season than last season, if I'm being honest. Don't think he's been as uh, as effective. Um, but he still managed to sort of put in some some reasonable performances and show some potential that maybe Toulouse have seen. I know that Toulouse have a have already signed, I think they've gone for this sort of the data model that they they're sort of scouting and recruiting data. I think Damien Comley, um, the former Liverpool, uh, I think he was head of one of the head scouts or something like that. I think he's a director at Toulouse now, I believe. Um, and I know they do their recruitment in that sort of way. Uh, they signed Oliver Zanden as well from Elsborg earlier in the season from Sweden. Uh, really exciting left back, who I think is a good signing as well. And yeah, so Berman Savage has come about just literally the last few days of the window. Um, this season, he's sort of done okay, I think. He did actually make his debut against Clemont Foot at the weekend, just gone, came off the bench. Um, and yeah, so, you know, he's got his, obviously, he's got his big move to uh, out of Sweden. Um, this season in Osvenskan, he was on 18 goal, 18 games, five goals, three assists. Um, like I say, I don't think he was as good as, you know, maybe um, he was the season before. His last game, obviously, for them in terms of the league was that Kalmar match, which, you know, Mama lost at home 1-0 and, and he'd missed a huge chance, as I said. But um, I think all in all, the money is good for Malmo in that sense. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a massive uh, income for them. Um, other transfers to look at, just, you know, there's a few outgoings just in the last few days, basically. Um, uh, Isaac Heen has made a move to Italy. He's a your garden centre-back. By the way, most of these players were in my fantasy team, so I've had to have a lot of reshuffling. <laughs> um, I can't believe, I don't know if someone just looked at my team and bought every player, but uh, Isaac Heen has been a really, he's been really good for your garden. Um, it was no surprise, really, that he's left. I, I think I said it on a podcast about two or three weeks ago that he will get a big move. He's quality in my opinion, and I think he could even go on from, from Hellas Verona. Um, they signed him for roughly about £2.8 million, pounds, uh, according to Transmart again. 23-year-old centre-back, physical, strong, covers ground well, um, good frame, uh, really important player for Jurgarden. Uh, could be a bit of a blow for their title race, but they have already um, signed Marcus Danielson back, obviously their former captain, so they kind of covered him. Uh, maybe they thought he was eventually going to leave. Um, he left on August 27th with just a few days of the window remaining. Again, a really good player, I think. Um, and at his young age, I think he will again go on. I, I could see him actually ending up close to the Premier League. Uh, I think he might do an Armin Hodzic, maybe end up at somewhere like Sheffield United or in the Championship. Uh, I really rate him. Um, then another player left, uh, Kevin Jakob. Um, he, another one in my fantasy team, uh, he is a young um, player from, from EFK Jotteborg. 21-year-old, he's gone to Denmark, to Aarhus. Um, he left, I think it's an undisclosed fee, so I'm not entirely sure how much for, but I think it's a good move. Obviously, Henry, football in DK, we'll get some updates from him on it, but he, he was doing quite well in that, of course, system. Um, and as a sort of forward, he, he can play out on the right or left. Uh, he's got a good shot, and then he's quite creative, um, and I, I do rate him. Also, they've lost Alexander Jallo, another one who was in my fantasy team. <laughs> he's gone to Brescia. Um, in Italy. Um, he's been there for quite a long time. They got him from Yon Shopping several years ago. He's a 24-year-old fullback. Um, again, I mean, I'm a little bit surprised he's gone to Serie B because I, I, I rate him. I think he um, could have gone to a top division club, but I guess I don't know the project at Brescia. You know, maybe it's an exciting project there. Um, but he's been at EF Core for two years now. And, you know, you know, Steve, normally it's six months, isn't it? A year maybe, and they leave. So two and a half years, I think, at EF Core is probably... You know, he served his time in Sweden, definitely. And, you know, he spent his whole career in Sweden, actually, to this point. So uh, a great move for him, about £350,000. Um, those are sort of maybe some of the main 
uh, transfers out just in the last few days um, of the window. So, yeah, that's that kind of, um, you know, there has been a lot of uh, people sort of leaving Sweden in the last week or two. Yeah, the Bermancevic transfer is in. I mean, Toulouse do a lot of their scouting and, and transfers data driven. Well, they certainly wouldn't have been looking at um, XG conversion, <laughs> would they? I mean, um, he misses a lot of chances, that, that lad. And uh, you, you kind of worry, don't you? Uh, you know, in a tougher league, that is he going to convert them? But I think, I mean, Reese Healy lost Reese Healy to lose um a striker to a season ending injury or near enough season ending so i think he's kind of a replacement there but uh i mean that guy i'd be honest i looked at the fifa um the Jurgarten defender isaac heen hellas verona reported nearly three million pounds i think that's a really good deal for hellas verona he looks a really good defender yeah he's so absolutely. i mean good money for diff don't get me wrong but i think he feels like to me someone who could have been five million plus you know um and uh what was the oh yeah there was an interesting transfer i wanted to ask you about uh, that Chua have signed Amar Abdulrahman Ahmed from Icor, 18-year-old lad. Uh, I reported four million pounds. This was I'm not sure exactly, but um, yeah, that's. A, I mean, he must be a really bright prospect for Twyen to be uh, paying that much. Yeah, he's a good, uh, good, good shout there, Amar Amir Ahmed. Um, I actually have a little bit of an exclusive, or well, maybe not an exclusive, but I happen to know that. Um, because Twa are owned by a City Football Group, who own Manchester, obviously Manchester City and, and, and loads of other partner clubs around the world. Uh, they've got clubs in Japan, they've got clubs in I think Uruguay, they've got clubs in uh, Spain. You know, the, the City Football Group is a massive organisation, but obviously headed up by Manchester City. I happen to know that Manchester City scouts watched Ahmed, uh, I guess part of the City Football Group, uh, when they played, I think it was North Shopping. And um, he did quite well in that game, obviously, and, and, and then has got his move to Twa. So he will sort of enter their football group, maybe mm. with a view to maybe in two, three years' time. Who knows if he does well? Maybe Manchester City might might sort of uh, bring him in. Who knows? Um, he's an exciting talent. I think he, I think it was a, a move where he moved quite early. If that makes sense. He's highly, barely really played. Uh, I think I remember a goal he scored um, against, I believe it was Degafors, where he dribbled like about three players. I remember, I remember tweeting about it at the time. He's an 18-year-old sort of uh, winger, uh, sort of wide player, predominantly drifts off towards the left. Um, and I remember thinking the goal he scored, I was like, that is some serious skill. He sort of cut inside, beat beat three or four men and then um, put it into the net. So I do think he he would be, a you know, he's a project basically for Tua. don't know if he'll go straight into the team, but I think he is someone who could could develop. Um, but, he's, you know, he's not played a huge amount of football, only 456 minutes um, this season in Osvenskan, one goal, like I say. Uh, and indeed, yeah, it was that Degafors uh, game where they drew one all. Um you know, so he's not. He's played very little football, but City, to be fair to them, they have good scouts, don't they? Yeah, they, yeah. They don't. Uh, they don't really tend to miss when it comes to identifying talent. So I imagine he he's one to watch. There was a link. Um, there was a rumor that Ayari as well from uh, Aik was going to leave, but then it turned out that he, he well he hasn't left yet. So um, I guess he maybe now for now isn't leaving. Uh, just on Berman Savic, uh, Andreas Georgsson, who is also the sporting director and current interim manager, he said. Um, we wouldn't have sold him if we didn't think we had other players who were ready to take on that role. Um, he said it's one of Malmo's biggest ever transfers. And obviously they've got, I think, a, a sell-on fee uh, to lose, obviously, if they sell him on. Um, he said, we thought it might have happened. Um, we signed some players to be able to let Velko leave us and, and for it to not affect us too much. Um, it's clear that when you, you know, when you're in form and, someone, and when someone's in good playing time, it's a blow if they leave. 
Um, but he said at the same time, it was a very good deal for the club. Um, and it's a move he's really dreamed of to a big league. So when everything like that happened, we had to conclude the deal. Um, so there you go. I mean, all in all, he's a good player, Bermasevich, as well, I have to say. And yeah, you're right about Amit Ahmed. I think he's a good player. And and I agree with you, Heen. I think Heen is the better value transfer in terms of money paid um, than Bermasevich. My, my only worry of Bermasevich, and I think I did tweet this to someone, was that I think physically, is it another Patrick Berg maybe where can he deal with Liga, which is a quite a physical league? I found him yeah. a little bit lacking in physicality, even mm. even in Osvenskan in certain games. I think I mentioned it in a recent match where he, um, on a recent podcast where he had a chance and he just sort of like took two touches where he should have just hit it first time. I felt like he, I felt like his level had dipped in recent weeks and months. Maybe maybe, maybe this transfer was in the back of his mind. Um, but he just wasn't quite on it as he has been. So um, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, good move for Malmo in terms of money. Yeah, I've got a feeling it doesn't work out. I could see him warming the bench quite a lot. And um, there's a good project going on down at Toulouse. I'll say that, though, and we, we you know, wish him well there. But uh, tough, tough league if you're not physically where you want to be. I mean, well, I mean just, to, at... just to finish on that, Steve, he wasn't really even getting in. The, I mean, I don't know if there was a bit of a split between Gay Augson and Berman Savage, but he, he wasn't actually really in the team a lot massively for even... Uh, he was in and out of the team. Um, for Malmo, even you know, sometimes they, he was benched for European games, things like that. So he wasn't like something's been going on in the background, maybe I don't know. But anyway, in total, 73 games, 29 goals, 13 assists. That's not a bad record, is it really? So, no, it's good not to him. good luck to him, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, Malmo also have got fairly decent, I mean, re- nearly four million pounds. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at these transfers out. Does it kind of disappoint you a bit? I mean, I know this is always something that happens and always will happen, but, you know, good players leaving the league when the transfer window is actually shut to bring players in. Uh, it doesn't disappoint me, but I think, obviously, it's, it's the nature of Elsvenskan. You know, these players don't stick around that long. As I mentioned, I mean, if you, Jakob's been there a while because I know he's, um, I think he came through their academy. I'm not entirely, oh, no, I think he was at, was it Hacken? Can't remember exactly not right now off the top of my head. Um, but he's been in Osvenskan for a while. Um Bermasevich has only been there what a couple of years. Uh, you know, Heen hasn't been there long at all. Um, so it's the nature of Osvenskan, really. I uh, can't you can't you just have to take it yeah. for what it is. It's a it's a great it's a great shopping market. You know, I'm yeah. surprised we don't get contacted by more people in football, maybe asking opinions and stuff, because you know, we have our ten to watch and you do have um players that we sort of talk about, don't we, on the show every week that kind of then get their move. Uh, I think people are becoming more and more wise to it. More and more clubs are looking now, and that's why people are leaving earlier and earlier. Obviously, we had Swedberg going for a record fee earlier in the season. Like, There's a lot of players leaving now for big money. Um, and I think that will eventually come round on the league and, and help the league because, obviously, the more money they got, the more they can reinvest it. So, in a way, it's good for the clubs, to be honest. You know, getting these sort of big sums, three millions, four millions, that's, that's, that's decent. I, I remember in the past, it would be maybe a million. You know, the, the the record transfers for these clubs are going up and up. So they're making more and more cash. And it's not just one or two teams. It's, it's a lot of teams. You know, EF Corner now have just made, you know, a decent sum there. Your Garden just made a decent sum there. You know, so um, maybe it will help rebalance the league a little bit as well. So uh, one thing I'd say as well, just to, to finalise on it, the Swedish clubs are not bad at scouting themselves. You know, Berman Savage, they got him from a Serb, uh, I think from Eastern Europe somewhere, when he wasn't really doing a huge amount. You know, no one really knew much about him in terms of Central Europe. Um, Heen, you know, he's been scouted from, from you know, uh, I can't remember exactly where he's been scouted from, but he's, you know, another player who not many people knew about um, who's sort of gone on. 
uh, where was it? Yeah, Vaseline they signed him from, which was like the third tier. You know, incredible scouting, to be honest. And now he's sold for three million after, you know, not even really more than a couple of years. Uh, they signed him in January 2021. So what's that, 18 months? And, and you know, he's, mm-hmm. now, he's now gone on for three million, four, nearly four million if you had add-ons. Um, Jallo, people like that come from the second division at Yon Shopping. So uh, I think it's a good sign for the health of the league. But obviously, as a spectacle, you do want to see the best players, don't you? And sometimes it's frustrating that, you know, we don't get to see the best of them before too long. And I'd just like to wish the serious backup goalkeeper, August Arlen, all the best on his retirement. I did a bit of research into this because it was a bit of an unusual one. He retired at the age of 25, but apparently he got injured earlier in the season in the gym, ruled him out for the rest of the season. And he's decided to hang up his gloves um, at 25 years old. So we wish him all the best there. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to uh, the next topic, Jonathan, which is uh, Malmo. Malmo F. K because uh, not Malmo FK, Malmo FF, isn't it? Um, because they're in turmoil, Jonathan, right now. What is going on there? They're, they're down as low as seventh in the league, um, I do believe. And uh, I mean, this is terrible for them. Yeah, well, we talked, you know, I kind of alluded to it just then, saying the maybe a bit of unrest between Berman Savic and, and Georgson in terms of just being in and out of the team. Berman Savic, like I said, his level has dropped. And I think the whole the high level of the whole Malmo team has dropped, to be honest. Um, they're not in. They're not in a good way right now, um, and they've lost another game this weekend. They've lost to Elsborg, which was quite a surprise, really. Three-two. Um, uh, Elsborg themselves haven't really been having a great season. Um, probably weren't the favourites going into this match at all. I think people would have expected Malmo to maybe get back on track, but it, it sums Malmo up at this moment in time. I've seen a lot of fan accounts on Twitter and stuff really not happy with um, Malmo at all. The feeling is that maybe they've just thrown away the season. You know, their manager left months ago now, um, Milojevic, and they still don't have a replacement yet. Uh, Georgson has said that, you know, the search for a new manager is kind of in full swing. And, you know, there's talk about they are looking to sign someone. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he is he's a sporting director and he's also the manager. Um, and his record in terms of points per game and things like that is, is not really great. Uh, so... You know, he he came out afterwards. They, you know, after the Elsborg game, the fans confront the fans sort of had to. They were really angry. Um, the players had to go and calm them down after the match in the away section. And there was a sort of angry exchange between fans and and players, as, as sometimes happens. Um, and you know, but, uh, but uh, Georgson's had to come out and say, you know, it's it's not been a great time. Um, you know, the in Europe as well, they 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 wanted to get Champions League football again, and it's not happened. As we've mentioned in part one of the show, you know, they're, they're going to be playing, um, you know, they're not going to be in Champions League anyway, that's for sure. And it's just it's just all gone a bit stale. They're not going to win. They're not going to win the title now. I think it's too late now. I think they've I think that's gone, you know, with the recent form they've been in. Um, they lost at home to Kalmar the week before we did this uh, podcast and Kalmar were good value. It was a last minute own goal. But, but you know, Kalmar were pretty decent value, to, to be honest. And Kalmar above them in the table, currently two points clear of them, the sixth. Um, you know, Malmo are champions of Sweden and they're, they're seventh, you know, only three points above Mialbi. So it's it's looking really like difficult for them now to win the league. They're 11 points off uh, top of the table, which is uh, Hacken. And yeah, it's just the season is kind of just petering out to a nothingness. Uh, no win since 14th of August. And even even that Gifsundsvall game at home, Steve, they won 3-1. They weren't even that great. It was just three goals in six minutes towards the end of the first half. Since I just you know lost concentration for six minutes, 
And apart from that, they weren't even, you know, really sort of that dominant. It was just a, much of a muchness. So, yeah, not not great times for Malmo. Yeah, I don't even see them getting in Europe at this stage unless they win the Swedish Cup at the start of next year, of course. They're six points off that, but there's plenty of other teams in between them. If you had said, if I had said to you at the start of the season after 21 games that there would only be three points above Mialbi, I mean, <laughs> you know, you'd have said, what on earth are you smoking? I'll have some of that. But um, yeah, terrible times for Malmo. I mean, they've got this European campaign to look forward to, like I say, but it just doesn't feel like a very optimistic stage for them. I mean, what's going on with the manager situation? Jorgsen's obviously in charge. I mean, what about, is he going to be permanent long-term? What they are going to do, do you think? Well, Georgsen definitely won't get the job. Um, I think that uh, he's kind of admitted himself now that it's, you know, it's not going to probably work out for him. I think that um, they, they are actively looking for a manager. So, you know, I don't really know exactly where mm. they are on that. It seems like they're not really, it's not really clear where they are in that search. Um, I mean, in, in good news for them, they've made a lot of money in the last year or so. I think they, they have, they've yeah. announced, they've mm. announced this week that they've made uh, roughly, well, they spent 80 million on transfer fees, 80 million kroners, which is about 8 million pounds. Um, and they put out a statement saying, we've invested over 130 million this year in Malmo, um, up to including August. Um, 80 million in player acquisitions, 50 million in facilities. That's about, four, four, I think, 5 million pounds, roughly, 4 or 5 million pounds. Um, in facilities around the stadium, um, so they are they are you know spending money. Uh, they signed Kiza Tellin, Zidane, Joseph Cisse, Maham Sibi, Emmanuel Lamotti, Buyatore. So that, you know it's not like they're not spending, um, and they're making money obviously from Berman Savic, Arnel Amehodzic. They got a fat chunk of money for him. Um, I'm sure he might get a sell on because he's doing incredibly well for Sheffield United. I think the fans love him already there. Um, so I suppose they, they they've got the money. It's just a case of what you know who who they get in now to to manage the club because this season's almost a write off to be honest and um, uh, you know the, the the most recent comments from the chairman is that we're not quite there yet on a manager it might take a little longer than we think um, but it has to be right they say that we we have to get this right they they really do have to get it right that own goal that Kalma that give Kalma the one nil win that cost me in fantasy that did Jonathan it cost me ten points that that goal knocked me out of the Alsvenskan fantasy cup. So uh, yeah, that that's was a rather disappointing for me, that that own goal, um, because it cost me, I think, 10 points in total, the minus points plus two clean sheets. So, But that just sums up their look, how things have been going for them recently. It's just um, a, a nightmare for Malmö. But, um, but the yeah, top Georg, of- just to wrap up this uh, section, Georgsen's points per game record, I think, at the moment is the lowest um, in, Mal- in Malmö's recent history. I think Georgsen is, uh, according to Scanner Laggett, uh, which is an account on Twitter, he's averaging, I think, less than a point per game. Sure. don't know if that's exactly true, but uh, it's the lowest in, in a long time since, um, I think since Daniel Anderson was caretaker manager. So, yeah, they, you know, worse than obviously, uh, you know, Milojevic was average, average for, for, in fairness to him, he got sacked, but he was averaging two points a game. Uh, Georgson's currently averaging half that. So <laughs> just just shows you that it's not gone, even sacking no. Milojevic hasn't Didn't really, there no, seems to be no plan for who would replace him. So, yeah, it's, not been very well dealt with, I don't think, this manager sacking. And maybe even, uh, you could argue, hiring him in the first place. Yeah, it's um, difficult difficult times for Mamo. They have obviously got a trophy from this season, the Swedish Cup, but at the moment in the league, they're struggling. Top of the table remains Hecken on 45 points, Jürgen on 44, Hammerby on 40, and Eichor 39. Two of those teams dropped points this weekend. Um, 
Hecken and Hammerby. Uh, so which one do you want to start with there, Jonathan? Um, <clears throat> tough times for Hammerby. I think I'll just briefly um, give a bit of condolences uh, <clears throat> to Marty Sifuentes on, on behalf of the podcast. Um, he had uh, a bereavement before the match. I think his father passed away. Um, and obviously they've had a you know, poor result tonight against uh, North Shopping. Um, North Shopping have beat, beaten them. Uh, and um, pretty comfortably 4-1, in fact, it's a massive loss. But when you sort of take into account those circumstances, it's kind of been easy for um, Sifuentes. Um, he came out after the game and said it was, you know, it's been really tough for him. Um, you know, fair play to him for even being on the sideline, to be honest. Because, um, yeah, he, he mentioned his father wanted to be here. He said, I'm sure my father would have wanted me to be here as well. So condolences to Marty Sifuentes because that, you know, as he, as he said in his press conference, it's a, been a tough week. Um the players have given me a lot of strength. He went back to Barcelona um, between Barcelona and the club. So clearly it might have affected training as well. And he just said that I really wanted to be here with the players today. Um, but obviously the club has said I can take as much time off as I need. Um, so seems like a good relationship between them. But, you know, in terms of Hammerby for the title race, it's, it's, it's a, this loss is a big blow for them. Um, you know, and when you read Fuentes' comments, you can tell that he's, you know, he's, clearly, he's clearly affected by it. Um, you know, he said uh, he's the one who got me into football. He he loves he loves football. He loved football, um, and he was a professional driver apparently in motorsports. I don't know for who or whatever, but he said he was the first person to take me to Barcelona uh, as a youngster. We had a great relationship, and you know, just from what he said in the press conference, you can tell he's obviously massively affected, even though he's still at work. Um, and you know, he even said that it's the the plan with the was for his dad to come to Stockholm. Um, and obviously, hopefully, see them lift the title. Um, he said he had planned to come to Stockholm. Uh, he really wanted to come and visit, but uh, in the end, he decided um, he would come when we won the league. So now I'm going to do my best to try and win the league. So really poignant uh, comments there. And we wish our, we wish the Fuentes all the best. But in terms of the game itself, yeah, they, they've taken a beating really for one. North Shopping uh, obviously got a new manager now, Glenn Ridders home, um, and he is sort of like maybe starting to put his stamp on the club a little bit, a little bit of a mini turnaround. Um, he actually said at halftime, he went mad at the players. He said, I, I, I had a massive go at them. Uh, we were too bad individually for 10 minutes. Um, and I told them that if they, they would only have 10 minutes, sorry, before there'd be consequences. So clearly um, putting his, um, stamping his authority on the club, I guess. Um, and and it paid off. Obviously, they, they had two penalties in this game. So, um, uh, and at the end of the day, they were losing 1-0 and came back to win 4-1. But uh, I, I feel like Hammerby maybe weren't quite focused uh, on the match, maybe because of these circumstances. It leaves the table looking um, like, uh, well, Hammerby are down to third now, um, five points behind Hacken. Um, moving on to Hacken, they've obviously uh, had a, also a tough result. Um, we didn't talk about the podcast, sorry, just in Hammerby. We didn't talk about the derby the week before, Stockholm derby. They drew two all with AIK away. That was a, a quite an exciting game, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of Hacken, um, they played Degafors at home. I think everybody expected an easy win. Didn't turn out that way. They, they've won four in a row, Hacken. Um, they beat Varnamo 4-1 the week before, which was a massive result, to be fair. Um, not many teams do that to Varnamo. Um, but yeah, this this game against Degafors of the weekend just gone. They were supposed to really, they should have won it quite comfortably. Um, they needed an 88th minute Jeremiah uh, goal and it looked like they, you know, he got them out of a rut. But then Vukajevic went up the other end and, and in the night, you know, in stoppage time, got Degafors an equaliser, which is massive for Degafors. But for Hacken, it's just two points dropped at a really crucial stage for them. They can't be dropping points 
um, like that really at home to sort of a team that's what you know third bottom of the league. Um, it gave your garden uh, a way back. Your garden won one nil at Sirius, and it's now a gap of one point at the top. Yeah, a couple of questions actually before we move on, and it's actually going back to Malmo here. This is from Agar Dinsk on Twitter, Eric Thunderbird. Did you ever used to watch Thunderbirds on TV, Jonathan? I used to as a kid. Yeah, Penelope. <laughs> yes, that was it. Lady Penelope Parker, wasn't it? Yeah, Parker. Yes, my lady. <laughs> and then she was like, "Oh, Parker." Um. Anyway, what on earth? Anyway, Eric Thunderbird. Thank you very much for this question. How low will Malmo go? What's your prediction on how uh, they'll place uh, at the end of the season? Um, if they don't get a new manager, then I think they will finish maybe sixth. Six. Um, if they get a new manager, then who knows? Everything will be. We'll have to talk again. But as as of today, in terms of mm. what's been going on at the club and the circumstances around it, uh, plus obviously they've got, now got Europe to deal with. They've lost a key member of their squad. I don't think their squad is necessarily great. Um, they've got the derby coming up. Then they've got. Uh, Hammerby as well at home, EFCO away. They're going to got Eurogarden hacking away. So they've still got some very tough games. I don't think they'll finish in the top three. That's my prediction. And then another question from History uh, Russia. Thank you very much for this one related to Hammerby. Can Hammerby win gold or will they end up as the bridesmaid as per usual? Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think, uh, this is it Damon? I think he is actually a, a Hammerby fan. I've seen some of his tweets. Um, and he did tweet us, I think, when it was 1-0 Hammerby and then it was 4-1. Unfortunately, I, I don't think Hammerby will win the league. Um, I feel like it's a two-horse race now uh, between Eurogarden and Hacken. I think Hammerby do have a, still have a chance, but I, I just feel like they, they're they a little bit too open at times. I, I just don't think they can collect enough uh, clean sheets and sort of get the job done enough in, in big games. I, I just always feel like they, they're liable to concede a few. Um, Barish is a big signing. He started well. Um, and he's got some goals recently, but I, I just feel like I don't even know if it's because they've signed they signed a lot of players as well in the summer. I don't know if the balance has gone a little bit, but they just they just they can be a little bit flaky at times. So uh, I do think they will peter off. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think they won the league. I, I would think your garden would finish above them. Yeah, your garden are obviously going great guns at the moment. They've got Europe as a distraction coming up soon. Um... They beat Sirius 1-0 at the weekend. I looked at the XG numbers for this game, not much in it. Seemed like quite a boring game. But on the face of it, this is the sort of place you've got to go and win 1-0 if you want to win titles, isn't it? Um, Sirius? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough place, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, a 1-0 win there can't be underestimated and, and they've done their job. Yeah, it's a big win for them. I, I think I think you're going to really looking good at the moment. Um, even bearing in mind, as I just mentioned, you know, losing Isaac Heen, you know, they've had to rejig their uh, their, their defence. Uh, obviously, Danielson's come in now and Ekdal is, is, is having a good season, as always. Um, I think that, you know, maybe hacking the favourites at the moment because of the, because of the you know, just psychologically because they're top. Um, Jurgarden are sort of chasing them. Uh, <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so, uh, by the way, just on Malmo, they haven't actually finished below third in the last five years. So in that in terms of that prediction to finish outside the top three, that even that's massive. Yeah. If, if Malmo don't get in Europe, that's that's a massive, that's like a huge failure, by the way. So don't underestimate the prediction there in terms of if they can't get top three, that's there'll be major repercussions, I think, for them. Um <clears throat> but yeah. Um 
Thomas Lagerloff, obviously they got the joint manager there, Kim Bostrom. After this serious game, they sort of talked it down. Um, they said they've, they've tried to put the pressure on Hacken. They said they're in a driving seat. They're the ones who have to um, have the favourites tag. Uh, he said they're probably the favourites for a while yet, but we are fighting to get all our points. Um, don't forget they've obviously they've obviously won the league in their management time in charge. Uh, I think three years ago now. You know they're what I think they're quite wily old foxes, and I think putting the pressure on Hacken is a smart psychological move. Um, but at the same time, they came out of the, uh, um, you know, Victor Edvarsson uh, got an assist, I think, and he came out and said, you know, um, uh, he was obviously happy about it. Um, he's always got a comment in him. Um, he's trying to do Degafors, I think, a favour because he used to play for them. <laughs> um, but he said, uh, you know, he's happy about Degafors obviously getting the point at Hacken. He came out and you know, said he's happy and he's going to send a message to... Um, you know, Degafor's joint managers to thank them for getting some points off Hacken. Um, but and Joel Olasore also came out and said this is a huge game, really important to get these points. Um, Sirius, as you said, is a tough place to go. Um, and yeah, Vardson said every match from now is, is a final. Um, we've got 10 more games in their finals. It's great. We're playing in Europe and uh, we will, you know, do our best. By the way, Vardson, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast, but he's, his goal in Europe, if you haven't seen it yet, I think it might even be a Puskas contender. Scored from the halfway line. Yeah, uh, I saw against, that David Beckham esque, wasn't um, it? Yeah, against Applewell. Um so he's he's been in reasonably good form actually advancing recently. Um mainly assists. But um yeah, good times for Diff. They're they're looking good. Uh round twenty-five, the two teams meet each other in Stockholm, you're going against Hecken. Um still a few weeks away yet, and there's still a lot of massive uh games to come in the league. So uh I'll ask you now who's gonna win the title. Uh, if you had to ask me today, I'd say you're gone. You're gone. Right. Okay. So let's move on. And uh, do you know what? I was just thinking this. There's not been a managerial change in Elite Assyrian yet this season, I don't think. Unless I'm forgetting something. But in Sweden, it feels like half a league. They've changed their managers. And uh, there's going to be another change at Mjalvi. Jonathan, tell us about this one. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, even Discovery, um, who, who obviously have the rights to Swedish football, they did a little sort of VT. They did a little discussion about this, um, just all the constant, the amount of changes that there's been managerially, and and also a general kind of lack of like sort of planning, um, succession planning, and stuff like that. And it was an interesting piece. Um, I don't speak Swedish, so to be honest, I couldn't understand a lot of it, but I gathered some of it from the tweets and stuff like that, and and the analysis. Um, but yeah, uh, bad news for Mialbi fans. Unfortunately, uh, it's been announced that. Uh, Andreas Brandstrom has will terminate his contract. Uh, this news broke four or five days ago that he was in talks to terminate his deal. I think he had a board meeting and announced he will be leaving. Um, I think there was a rumour that he's been approached by a team abroad. Um, Miyabi refused to release him from his contract and he said, well, okay, right, I'm off. I'm, I'm going to terminate my contract anyway. Uh, he's been brilliant as a manager. I think he is. I think he's actually quite highly rated. Um, there's a rumour that, because basically Milos Milojevic has got a new job at Red Star, I think Belgrade. Um, I think Poya Asbargi, former Barnsley and EF Core manager, is going to be his assistant. But I think the rumour was that Brandstrom was going to take over as his, his assistant. <clears throat> um, why he'd leave a job to go to a foreign team assistant, I don't know. But of course, maybe are not a massive club, really. They don't pay a huge amount. Um, maybe, in, I guess, Red Star are a massive club, so... I think also that they've worked together before, Brandstrom and Milodjevic, but I could be wrong on that. <clears throat> um, 
but yeah, the bottom line of it is he's, he's terminated his contract, which is supposed to run until the end of this year. He has an option, but I think they're not going to pursue it. He's free to sign for another club at the end of the season. He was there against EFK um, Yotobo, but they've taken a battering from EFK this evening. And I think that's a sign of like maybe maybe the, the squad being distracted. Um, and it's a bit of a shame. He's, he's, been a, he's been a really good manager this season. Obviously, he carried on from uh, Torst, um, Anders Torstensen. And, uh, you know, he's, they're eighth, they were eighth in the table before this, this round of fixtures. Um, you know, and now, obviously, they've taken a bit of a, bit of a battering tonight, but I think that's more about the distraction than anything else. They're still eighth. Um, but in general, they're having a very, very good season. Fantastic defensive coach. Gets his teams really organised, hard to break down. Sort of deep block. I mentioned in one episode recently, they're a bit like sort of Burnley, maybe of the of the Swedish league in terms of the way they play. That that sort of um, not necessarily that Burnley always play a deep block, but just the reputation wise, um, bit of a Sean Dyche type manager maybe in reputation. Um, so yeah, he'll be leaving, and he deserves a bigger job. To be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if teams like Malmo are looking at him as well closely. Let's turn our attention towards the bottom of the table then. Um, I see, first of all, just a, a quick word about a couple of teams who I know you were at one point a bit worried about in terms of Elfsborg and Norshipping. Slight revival for, for them two right now. Got themselves well, well clear of any danger. Um, better times for, for both those clubs? Uh, yeah, well, I mentioned Norshipping already. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they, you know, their new manager looks sort of decent. Uh, let, watch this space. I think it's a bit early, but obviously a massive win against Hammerby. That'll sort of get the fan. I mean, the fans turned out in numbers actually for this game. It looked like a good atmosphere. No shopping generally are a good, good sort of well-supported club, and it's been a bit of a grim season for them in terms of um, the fans. I think in general the attendances have even gone down a little bit. It's not been a great time for their fans. So I think tonight's game will just give their fans that boost and think, yeah, maybe this new manager could could do something. So I think maybe watch this space with them. Elsborg. A little bit of a revival just in terms of beating Malmo. That's a massive result for them. They've not been amazing this season. I know the underlying numbers are positive for them in general when you look at their XG and stuff like that. But the league position, you know, <clears throat> I guess they're up to ninth now, which is a li- little bit better. You know, before that, they were a bit further down. But they've had, you know, a few decent results. Um, well, this win is big. Four straight draws before that and the defeat to Garden. But maybe this win, the first win since June, don't forget. Um, maybe this win can sort of just give them a bit of a revival. Yeah, and uh, down at the bottom there, Jonathan, who who are you worried about right now? Um, well, some big results tonight. Varnamo uh, with Antonsen hat trick beat Helsingborg three two. That's a big. That was a big relegation game actually. Uh, yeah. They went two 0 up. Then uh, Helsingborg got back into it two all. Machine got two. Uh, well taken goals by the way. He, he looked quite decent. Um, but literally last kick of the game, well, it was a header. Uh, Antonsen from a corner. Bullet header into the back of the net, 93rd minute. How do you like that? Last touch of the match. Um, that lifts Varnamo to 12th and a massive win for them because uh, it takes them six points clear of the uh, relegation playoff and also uh, eight points clear of Helsingborg. So this was a big sort of relegation game. Um, and I know Varnamo, we've praised them, but they're still not out of it. And I think this is a massive win. Helsingborg have looked a little bit better in recent weeks. They play, obviously, um, they play, they've played a few teams around them. Um, they beat Gisun's fell away and then they played Miaobi last week and lost at home, but they were a little bit unlucky. It was a late goal. Um, they have sort of shown some fighting spirit, I think, in the last three or four weeks since that 5 0 defeat to Hacken. Um, maybe the, the new management team is sort of just turning it around a little bit. There's a few signs there that they look a little bit better, but obviously they're starting to run out of games a little bit. Their next two are 
EFQ away and then Malmo at home, obviously the big derby um, down south there. And I think they need to maybe get something from one of those games at least. Um, and I, actually, they do look a little bit better. But one other thing for them, they have, they've had quite a few injury problems of late and, and players missing games and uh, Armin Cicic has, has left as well. So, you know, they do look like maybe, maybe they, they could be one to watch. And Degafors as well, to, to their credit, um, have shown some fighting spirit. They beat Gibson Swar 3-1. They got a point, obviously, at Hacken. Um, you know, and they, they aren't looking that bad, actually, Degafors as well. So I think um, both of them will try and scramble out of this. Varberg aren't out of this, by the way. They're now 13th. Um, they've lost to Kalmar. I thought they looked really poor in defensive transitions um, in this game this evening. I caught, so I caught quite a bit of it. Um, but it, in terms of Gisswin's fight, I think it looks like they're probably, they're probably gone, to be fair. 10 points. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you, I think it would be a big surprise if, if Giff Sunsvall survived now, it just looks like. I mean, they're only six off the, the playoff spot, but um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much uh, wraps it up for this episode, uh, Jonathan, unless uh, you've got anything more to add about Sweden. Nope, that'll be all. I think there's no more listener questions. Just want to say a big shout out to um, everyone who sent in questions, of course, at, on Twitter, at Nordic Football. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Um, our YouTube channel is gaining quite a few subscribers these days, which is great if you want to listen to your pods there. Um, but no, that's it from me. Yeah, that's it from me as well. Um, do take care yourselves. Thanks very much for listening. All your support out there. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.